Well, welcome. It is good to see you guys uh, this morning. I am so grateful to be here to share from God's Word with you for just a little bit. Um, we are continuing in our sermon series on rhythms and being in rhythm with the Holy Spirit. And uh, today, whether you're joining us uh, on the stream or whether you're here in person or checking us out later on on demand, we're going to be talking about being a present by being present. So being a present by being present. That's the rhythm that we want to get into. Now, not terribly long after Peggy and I started dating, she said those three words that frankly sends chills up and down the spines of every guy, if it's, especially if it's those three words are said too soon. You know, she said, I love you. And I mean, what's not to love about this guy, right? But still, I was like, okay, I'm not sure what to do with this yet because we're early in the dating process. And so I had a conversation with her because I wasn't ready to say those three words back. And that was hurtful to her. And I understood that. But in this long conversation that we had, I shared some of the deepest, darkest history of my dating past. And much to my surprise, she did not run away. She's, she has hung in there with me, still boggles my brain after all these years. But I let her know in those conversations that while I was not ready to say those three words yet, I wanted to be able to show her how much I loved her, and that when the day came that I would say those three words to her, she could take that to the bank. So, uh, it must have worked because she's still hanging out with me all these years later. Why couldn't I say, I love you, to Peggy at that point? Frankly, I wasn't sure what love truly meant. And I'm not talking about Hollywood's garbage of being in love. I mean love. What does love really mean? Now, many of us are in that same quandary, aren't we? Pop culture has cheapened the meaning of the word love to the point that it can mean just about anything or nothing at all. We're constantly bombarded with competing definitions for the word love. And as Christians... We are called to love people. One of our greatest longings is to feel loved. But that's hard to do when we can't define what that means. So, many of us just kind of make it up as we go along. As a result, our relationships are a mess, and people routinely ruin their lives in the name of love. How can we express what we can't define? And to make matters worse, there are people around us who genuinely make us feel loved. So what is it that they know that we don't? Well, let's turn to Scripture today and seek the answers for this quandary in which we find ourselves. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, Jesus tells His closest followers that he has a new command for them. Love one another. Why does Jesus call that new? I mean, that was kind of a central theme to his teaching. Well, loving others needs to be put in the proper context. 
So check out this context in which Jesus puts this new command regarding love. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Of course Jesus modeled the love that he wants us to live out. Of course he did. Jesus fully understood that his presence was a present people need whether they realized it or not. The presence of Jesus helps us to be a present as we are present in the lives of other people. Now, Nate Wilkerson recently reminded us during a graduation ceremony of the fact that after Jesus had fed the 5,000, 5,000 men plus women and children, remember that miracle? That that took place after he had just been informed that his cousin, John the Baptizer, had been beheaded. And Jesus was seeking to go off in a lonely place to be able to grieve alone, just him and God. But the crowds found him, and they followed him, and they're out in the middle of nowhere, and it's getting late, and everybody's hungry, and Jesus says, okay, let's feed these folks. And his disciples say, listen, we only got a couple of fish and a little bit of bread. It's like, that's enough. And so he feeds them. That, that miracle is performed there, and he feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. After all of that has taken place, Jesus sends the crowds back home, and he sends the disciples on across the lake, and he goes off to a solitary place to be alone with God. Jesus understood the importance of spending this time with God the Father and filling himself with the presence of God. In fact, we often read in the scriptures that Jesus would go to a lonely place to spend time with God, away from the crowds, away from his disciples, alone with God and with God alone. Once Jesus was filled with the presence of God, then he was ready to be a present for people. So I want to examine three examples of Jesus being a present and by being present with people after he has filled himself up with God. So we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 8. We're going to put the first four verses up on the screen here to start with. And in these first four verses, we see Jesus is walking along and a crowd is gathering. Nothing unusual about that. In the midst of the crowd, Jesus focuses on one person. Nothing unusual about that either. But the person that he focuses on is a leper. And leprosy is a skin disease, the likes of which Jewish law required that you were to go outside the camp, you weren't to have anything to do with people, and people didn't have to look at you, they, didn't, they certainly weren't going to touch you, none of this stuff, okay? Forget it. Jesus not only sees this leper, but he touches him. Oh, no, 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 you did not do that, Jesus. Yes, he did. He not only looked at this leper, he not only touched this leper, he healed this leper of the insidious disease of leprosy. That is love in action. Then we see in the next few verses, Jesus makes his way on in towards town. 
and the crowd is swelling as he gets closer to town. And a Roman centurion catches the eye of Jesus. A Roman centurion, a member of the occupying army of Israel. And he comes before Jesus and asks him to heal his servant. And Jesus says, okay, let's go. And the centurion says, you don't even have to go. Just say it and it'll be so. And Jesus is amazed at the faith of the centurion. And so he heals the servant right then and right there without ever going to see the servant. The presence of Jesus in the life of this centurion was a present far beyond anything this centurion could have dreamed of. And then as we move on through the 8th chapter of Matthew, we see that Jesus enters Peter's house and He heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now, I don't want to skip over this too quickly, okay? He heals Peter's mother-in-law. That means Peter was married. See, that's how that works. Okay? But he heals Peter's mother-in-law, and she gets up and starts serving them. Uh, you know, because that's what a good mother-in-law do. So, off she goes. But, Jesus goes on from there and heals multitudes of people. The crowds just keep coming in. They bring in the sick and the lame and the demon-possessed. And Jesus heals them because He loved people. Now, most of us, okay, let's face it, none of us have the ability to miraculously heal somebody physically. But we do have the power to heal them emotionally or spiritually. The Apostle John, who was once known as the Son of Thunder, is now better known as the Apostle of Love. And he was a first-hand witness to the type of love that Jesus lived out Years after his time of walking on the earth with Jesus, John wrote in his first letter, 1 John chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God lo so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, John's earlier passage makes more sense in light of what Jesus has said. I mean, what is this new command? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. John says you can't disobey Jesus' command and love God. In fact, John plainly states that without love, you can't even know God. If you want to know God, if you want to love God, you have to love people. And you have to love them the way that Jesus did. This type of love does not lead to a life of comfort. 
but rather one of challenge. And we'll say, but Jesus is Jesus. I mean, of course he's going to love that way. How can he expect us to love the same way that he did? Well, he can expect that because we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us to provide the power source for that kind of love. Now, many of us have traveled by airplane, and if you have, you're familiar with the safety talk that goes on before the plane is going to pull away from, uh, from the uh, terminal. You've slept through many of those, I'm sure. You remember what they say in the event of an emergency and the oxygen masks drop down out of the ceiling? Remember what they say about that? First, you put on your oxygen mask, and then you try to help whoever else around. Okay, Because if you try to help somebody else before you put your oxygen mask on, and you pass out from a lack of oxygen, you're not going to be much help to them, are you? We need to think of our daily quiet time in God's Word and prayer as our oxygen We can't help others without it. Love is your presence being a present to others the way that Jesus desires. And the daily rhythm of a quality time with Jesus is the only way you can properly love people. Now, with love having been biblically defined, you must now use that term properly. And I would submit to you frequently. The Apostle John did. Jesus certainly did. You are to be a present for people. But how? Well, I've already hinted at it. But I'm going to pound a little bit more on this very important first step. Spend quality time with God. In your quest to love people as Jesus does, make sure you're building a margin into your schedule so that you can spend time every day in the presence of God. That's the best way that you can be refilled so that you in turn can fill others with that love. In order to be a present to others, you must be present. As Kyle Eidelman says in his book, One at a Time, One of the words that best captures the love of Jesus is proximity. At Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus loves us enough to come be with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. The incarnation of Christ, Jesus coming to earth, makes it clear that the way He loves requires proximity. It's hard to love someone if you're determined to keep your distance. Author Bob Goff has said that love is spelled T-I-M-E. Now, he may not win many spelling bees that way, but I believe Bob's on to something. In order to love properly, you've got to be available. You've got to make yourself available even to the EGRs. Now, EGR is a term that I first heard from uh, uh, Alan Tyson from Johnson University, Florida. I don't know that he coined this term, but I first heard him use it in a message that he preached here several years ago. 
EGR, extra grace required. Extra grace required. I can tell you that through the decades of ministry that Peggy and I have had, we've had EGRs in our lives all along. In every ministry that we've been in, wherever we've been, there are EGRs that come into our lives. If you don't know who our current EGRs are, don't worry, that doesn't mean it's one of you. It just means that we don't talk about who those folks are in our lives. We just love on them. I'm going to throw out three names for you right now. Salvador Ramos, Peyton Gendron, Andrew Abdullah. These are EGRs. Combined, over the last three weeks, these men have killed more than 30 people in the United States of America. In Uvalde, Texas, in Buffalo, New York, and in New York City. So I ask us this morning, what kind of difference could have been made if someone had loved each of these men with the love of Jesus? Could it have made a difference? We'll, we'll never know. Yes, these men have the free will to reject the love of Jesus just like Judas did. On the night Jesus was betrayed by Judas, Jesus washed the feet of all of his disciples, including Judas, in an amazing sacrifice of love. Just because you love someone like Jesus doesn't mean they will automatically accept that love. However, that does not excuse you from loving them like Jesus does anyway. I know, Scott's done quit preaching and gone to meddling now. I told you that loving like Jesus would not lead you to a life of comfort. And yes, I believe these men should pay the full penalty of the law for their actions. And yes, I mourn for the families who lost loved ones. But I will tell you that Ramos has already paid the full price because he was shot and killed in the shootout with the police. He's already had to stand before the judge, our maker and creator. These other men need to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. But at the same time, they need to be loved with the love of Jesus. Because Jesus died on the cross for them as well. And yes, Jesus expects us to love them the way he does. Earlier this week in my daily devotions, I, I uh, read from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, and Paul admonishes Christ followers to widen their hearts. So what does that look like? Well, for starters, it looks like genuinely loving people who are different from you, different in likes and dislikes, different in color of their skin, different in political opinions, different in cultural background, those who commit heinous crimes. My prayer was, may my heart be widened today so I may love like Jesus loves. Is it comfortable? Nope. 
But if you're following Jesus and loving people the way He did, it'll mean constantly being pulled in a direction that doesn't feel natural or comfortable. Is it draining? Yes. That's why we must first be present with God so we can be present with people. Now, obviously, I did eventually tell Peggy those three words that she longed to hear from me. More importantly, I showed her my love and my actions because, you know, we can say I love you until the cows come home. But those are just empty words. I've been present in Peggy's life for nearly 44 years now. Hard to believe since she's only 29, I know. But it's true. And sitting in our easy chairs in our living room, we often look at each other and smile and say, you know, I love doing anything with you or doing nothing at all. We just love being in each other's presence. Now, to be fair, over our decades of ministry, we have been present in the lives of many, many people, loving them to and through Christ. And I have to tell you today that other than Jesus, the guys who have impacted me most in this whole manner of loving people would be the Apostle John and author Bob Goff. Now, this year I've been immersing myself in 1 John, the book of 1 John. Every day I read those five chapters and i got to tell you, John has been kicking my tail in a good way about how I should love people. Bob Goff has written several books, and I want to recommend three of them for you this morning that I believe will help us live out love. Uh, love does, everybody always, and undistracted. And I have listed these books on our resource page at our church website, durochristian.com resource. You can get links to these books there. It's a great, great start. Um, be prepared to have your toes mashed quite a bit. What are some practical steps that we can take to be a present by being present? I'm going to leave you with a few suggestions. It's not an exhaustive list. Some of it we've already talked about this morning. I'm going to say them again because I need to get it pounded into my head whether you guys have it down or not. First and foremost, spend quality, quiet time in God's Word and prayer every day because loving people the way Jesus loves will be draining physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually, and your tank must be filled before you can fill the tanks of others. Secondly, develop a prayer list of people that you want to love better. Pray for them daily, and then put those prayers into action. Be a present, and be present in their lives. Third, Simply be present. Put the devices down. Be in the moment with the people and the persons that you are around. Prioritize people. Loving people is the goal. It's not a distraction from our daily to-do list. As I've said before, don't avoid the EGRs, the extra grace required folks. Jesus didn't avoid them. He seemed to be drawn to them. So should we. Yes, they will drain you. So I refer back to the first point from that list again of spending that quality time with God every day. 
build margin into your daily schedule. And if that isn't a duh, I don't know what is. You can't burn the candle at both ends and in the middle and be a loving person. It's just not possible. So build some margin into your schedule. And remember that relationships are best built one at a time. If you don't have a regular one-on-one time with folks in your prayer list that we just talked about that we're going to create, then we're doing it wrong. A minister buddy of mine recently tweeted, only a disciple can make a disciple. And discipleship happens in many, many venues, but I'm telling you, one-on-one is the best one of those venues. So after we've firmly established our rhythm of a daily fill-up with God, we've got to make ourselves available. We make ourselves available to our family. We make ourselves available to our church family. That's why we encourage folks to get plugged into a life group and to get plugged into a, a ministry of service here at the church. We need to make ourselves available to folks who are outside of the church and love them the way Jesus loves them. Because as insidious a disease as leprosy is, being outside of Christ is even more insidious. And we need to love people to Jesus the very best of our ability. We need to make ourselves present so we can be that present to them in Christ. And we need to make ourselves available even to the EGRs always remembering that these availabilities come after we've made ourselves available to Jesus every day. Because only then can we be a present to others by first being present with them.